continuing our systematic look at the fourth to the ninth chapter of the book of Genesis, uh, what we've uh, affectionately called gates and floods, floods and gates. Um, again, the floods that come that, that are those periods where God uh, hits the reset button, if you will, both writ large and um, on, a, on, a, on a Meek's household level, if you will. I'm gonna send in a flood to just clear out all the things that are backed up. You know, it's, it's uh, even on your computer. Uh, I won't use a toilet bowl analogy, let's use a computer one. Um, that you, you have built up stuff what they call a cache, C-A-C-H-E. And it can slow the computer down. It can slow the processing down. And so computers have, if you, if you found that on your own computer, if your computer's running slow, here's a little insight. Find where that is on your computer and say empty cache. Empty cache, empty out that stuff, the cookies. That'll preach. Uh, the cookies that have accumulated on the computer. And your computer runs better. You still have all that stuff. The, so that's the, could have called this cash and gates, but you, too much explaining. Uh, floods and gates, but there are gates of opportunity too. Those, those portals, the pathways of, of, of intimacy and reconciliation and uh, everything that, that our, our very souls crave but it's, it's, it's kind of like, it, it, it's kind of like you, you, you're pursuing that thing that we end up trying to fill that thing. We, we have a difficulty, we have difficulty trying to identify what that is. We all know it's spiritual, but sometimes we don't associate it that way. And so we end up doing stuff, including going into relationships, to try and fill a void that only can be filled um, with a relationship with our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So today we want to begin at the fifth chapter, excuse me, the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. And it reads like this. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Let me just caution you, do your best to track with me this morning. Uh, just, just do your best because some theologians uh, have, have posited that these four verses, the first four verses of this sixth chapter of Genesis is probably the most difficult uh, uh, portion of text to deal with in all of Genesis, if not all of the Bible. It is, it is well, we'll get to it, but it is what it is. And we run the risk of going down rabbit trails and, and chasing our tails. But stick with me, and hopefully at the end, you'll say, okay, I get it. Uh, but it begs the question, here we go, who are the sons of God and who are the daughters of humans? Who are the sons of God and who are the daughters of humans? There are three views generally offered. The sons of God are the sons of princes, the 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 the, those that are elevated, the lords, the people that are, are, uh, have high office. Um, the sons of God, some have posited, they're angels. They're, they're, they're angelic beings. They're, they're not humans. Some have posited the line, the, that the sons of God are the line of Seth. 
or godly men? Pick, pick one, all right? And the daughters of men, the daughters of men, as the daughters of people of a lower order, maybe, uh, maybe mankind in general, maybe of the Canaanites. You got the Sethites, and now you got the Canaanites. And the rest of mankind is contrasted with the godly or the children of God. So let me just put a cautionary note right here. Theologians have debated this for millennia. And let me go out on a limb. We're not going to solve that today. And you're not going to solve that tomorrow. You're going to, if you, if you take a microscopic view instead of a broad view, you will find whatever answer you're looking for. That's, and, and I warn you, I warn you, I warn you, don't bury your nose on the bark of the backside of a tree and miss what the forest is trying to show us. Uh, so what can we glean from the text? Broadly, there's an obvious perversion of the order God intended. There's an obvious perversion of the order God intended more than ever before. How can I go out on a limb and say that? Well, let's just continue to read the text. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The message of this version said, then God said, I'm not going to breathe life into men and women endlessly. Eventually, they're going to die. From now on, they can expect a lifespan of 120 years. So in the previous chapter, chapter 5, we read of incredible ages that folks were living. So it might see, it might see so I'm going to set you up to, 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 to show you uh, where you could fall into a bear trap, if you will, uh, a theological bear trap. Um, so it might seem obvious that God essentially is saying, I'm putting a cap or, on, or of sorts on, le on longevity. You're not going to get to live hundreds of years, get 120. Okay, that sounds good if you just look at just this. But I, I hear you, Abraham, Isaac, Jake, Jacob, even Noah, he lived more than 120 years. So what's up with all of this? What are, we supposed, what are we supposed to take away from all of this? Okay, so this is what some theologians uh, posit. Um, that this is a generalization, not just an absolute. Some have even suggested the 120 years is just the, the time from what God said to the time of the flood. So we can, we can go through the etymology and all, and it's like, okay, well, maybe I can make the case that 120 years is the amount of time prior to the flood. So I can hear Matt Thomas asking, so Pastor Beeks, what's the right answer? The right answer is to look broadly at the text. That's the right answer. Uh, the grace that shown in longevity and God's sovereign forbearance on the things that they did and the things we do is coming to an end. As Gail has said, you know, there comes a time when you get the merry-go-round, you put your little quarter in. When your time, your allotted time is up, it's up. And you got to get off the ride. Well, that's exactly what's going on right here, right now. It's time to get off the ride. Verse 4, the Nephilim 
were on the earth in those days. I'm just, I'm just throwing this stuff at you. It's like, man, it's like, it's, uh, uh, we're on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. Again, a ton. Uh, and I did my homework, so I, there's just a ton of, of speculation as to what or who uh, these people are. And is this, is this a noun or is this a verb? Uh, well, it's, 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 it's a transliteration. It's not even, it's not even a, a translation, so it's, it's, it's a phonetic, it sounds like. Um, and for those of you who have uh, done a little studying, you know that in Numbers, the word is found only once more in the entire canon, and it's in Numbers when the spies sought out the land, and probably in hyperbole, they, they were saying, there are Nephilim here. You got, you got these, these, these giants. Well, we knew that they weren't giants, but in their eyes, they perceived them as insurmountable, unconquerable. They were giants. But let's just suffice it to say that the word and what it represents is perplexing. And uh, let me just throw out there, and you, you know, uh, for those of you, Josh, that are leading small groups, uh, William, different ones, you, you, you'll, you'll have fun with all of this stuff when you uh, replay the, the video. Um, some speculate that it's a super race of beings the result of an unholy, angelic, and human-based union. Um, some say the word sounds like the word for fallen, so it may be speaking of a, a moral degeneracy. The fallen, the, the fallen. Or it may be speaking of a, a, a fallen angelic, uh, uh, or not just people, not, not people, but angelic beings that have fallen, so to speak. Um, some look at the text in the book of Ezekiel and they, they've mushed up uh, uh, warriors and fallen and it looks like, well, these are just, just mighty warriors. These are, these are, these are, these are like uh, the best of the best of, of humanity, if you will. But still others believe that this is just a parenthetical addendum to the original text. A scribal attempt after the original text was put down to try and help explain what was going on here. One more log on a worldwide raging fire. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is regardless of which position you adopt, don't lose sight of what the writer is attempting to convey. That is humanity and the entire creative order was messed up. That's the takeaway. From those first four verses, you, you, can, you can rest assured that it's like, okay, what am I supposed to glean, of, glean from all of this? Things were messed up, big time. How messed up was it? I'm glad you asked. Verse five, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. How bad was it? It's pretty bad. 
it was pretty bad. And uh, dare I say, uh, we're hurtling along those same paths. It was pretty bad, so bad that God was like, you know what, I need a do-over. I, 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 this, is, this is just too much. Jesus warned in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Right now is where I insert the, the question that I had offered at the very beginning. What are our expectations? That's not, a, that's not a rhetorical question. That's a question you need to answer in your heart. <laughs> We're not going to raise hands. And, uh, but what are your expectations? Expectations about what? About claiming the title of a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What, are your, what, what do you think about that? What do you, what do you think about that? We, 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 we talked about that uh, yesterday in Men's Fellowship. And one of the things that, uh, that, that resonated with me, as Daniel uh, Thompson succinctly put it, is that we, we tend to not look at life along a continuum, but uh, an AD and a BC, so to speak. That I got life now, and I get to do pretty much what I want to do with it. Within reason, you know, I don't kill, steal, you know. I, you know, I'm a nice guy. I don't kick the dogs or cats. I, I, I worship, I acknowledge, I assent, I do all that. that. But it is largely my life to live. And when I die, God, okay, you got me. But that's only after I die. What are our expectations? What is it we think we are? What is it we think we are called to be or do? That's not a rhetorical question. That's, that's a question that has to be and will be lived out. We talked, we talked about it. As we walk along this journey, and Jesus already put it out there and he said you know here's 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 life lived out spiritually think of it as like you're going along a path and you're going to have a wide path with a lot of folks and they're all headed in a certain direction and it's leading to destruction a lot of folks most by far most the, the masses, the it, a lot of folks. That's where most of the folks are going. And in contrast to that, you got a little narrow path. And just a few. Just a few. Boy, I'm glad I'm in that 
few group. Be careful. Lord, didn't I? Didn't I? I, I, I did. I, I did. I prophesied. I did. I don't even know you. It, that, <laughs> when I was a child and I understood that, when it was preached, it scared me. As an adult, it scares me even more. Because we can set ourselves up with certain expectations of lived life that this is the way it should be. This is, this is how, okay. It sounds good, that's what scripture says. It sounds good, but the end is destruction. It's, it's, it's not what you think it is. Um, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Pastor, what is wrong with living life to the fullest? And, uh, well, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> but it's definitely not how Noah lived. How do I know that? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, this is, I was studying this, this, I am not the brightest bulb on the tree. Uh, but it came, it just dawned on me. There was a whole line of Seths, Sethites. They weren't called out. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All of humanity? One? Oh, see, well, see, God just used him to save everybody else, and I, I understand, I understand. We don't have much detail about this guy Noah up until now, except that he was the father of three boys after he was uh, 500 years of old, uh, 500 years of age. Um, and that his father Lamech said of him, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. But there was something about the life of Noah that stood out from everybody else. Maybe it's just me. You guys are looking at me like, oh, so? Uh, maybe it's just me. Noah, not, not Bob, not Jimmy, not, not Sally, not Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. However many people were on the earth at that time, scripture mentions only one that found Grace that found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I, I'm done. Um, all the descendants of Seth, all of those of Cain, everybody. Things had gotten so bad, so out of control, 
the guy said, I'm going to hit the empty cash button. But I need someone that stands out from everybody else, that is different from everybody else, that has a different, we'll see how this difference looks lived out, but let me, if you haven't already read it, open up. There was absolute obedience to the call. I need you to do this, and what did he do? That. That presupposes, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that presupposes a whole lot of things. First of all, um, if, you, if you are to answer the call, you have to be in a position to receive the call. What do you mean? What I mean is, if there are, I didn't grow up in the time of party lines, but however they, they, they talk about those party lines is that uh, it was a line that everybody could get on, anybody could eavesdrop, anybody could talk over anybody. There's a lot of noise going on on the line. Now we have the ability to isolate the calls. So it's just me and you, me and God, me and God. I think I think that what too often I do, what 21st century people do, is that we live in a party line environment and it becomes increasingly difficult, if not altogether impossible, workies, to hear the voice of God. Because I've got other people and other things, other influences, including my own heart, that says, you need to do this. You need to do this. I'll, 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 uh, there are, there are, I'm done, Sister Jones. Uh, there are three times, at least three times, where I heard, I don't care what you believe, what I, when I heard the voice of God speak to me. Three times. Once when I was in my, at that time, it was my absolute lowest. And I was, I, was, uh, I was on the receiving end of what I felt was unfair, incredibly unfair actions. You know what I said? I will never forgive that person. And I meant it. With everything in me, I meant it. I will never forgive that person. But God spoke. To me. And said. How much have I forgiven you? Why at my age, at our season in life, continue, please continue to pray for Sister Meeks. 
she has to deal with me. In all of the responsibilities and decisions and the actions, she catches that. I was called. You were called, yeah, but I was called. When the call comes, and dare I say, it, it has come in your life. It already has. You wouldn't be here if it hadn't. What did you say? And what are you saying right now? What are you saying right now? Right now? What do you write? I mean, like, at 11.11. January 8th. What do you what do you say? What do you say? I'll respond, but let first let me bury my father. I'll do, but what's what what, what are we saying? What are we saying? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Can I put my name in there? Can I honestly say with uh, the years in life God has given me. Mark has found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Quincy Jones said to Michael Jackson when he won all those Grammys, this is serious jelly. This is serious jelly. It's Diane, it's Molly, it's Andrea, Doreen, Irvin, Rachel, Jack, Lachey. Matt, Drew, Natalie, Matt, Gabriel. Have we found favor in the eyes of the Lord? Let's pray. Our Father, our God, There are points in time where we can really stop, pause, and examine and weigh what we've been given. Father, where we can uh, make those evaluations. What 
what you have entrusted us with. We are your, your feet, we are your hands, we are your voice to a world that um, is on the cusp of being swept away in a cataclysmic and eternal flood. What are we building? What are, what are we, what are we, what are we building? What are, what are we preparing for? What are we preparing for? Thank you for the years you have given me. Thank you for the opportunity to make multiple course corrections. And thank you for the wisdom where I can ask you, my Father, can I put my name in there? Father, I so love you and I am totally indebted to you. You saved me from, from hell. You watch over my family make provisions. You allow us to come together as a community of faith. You've allowed me to interact, know, and help motivate and disciple women and men that I never, ever would have had that opportunity had I not had enough wisdom to say, just want to do your will. Thank you for these women and men and children that call on your name, that are sold out for you, that love you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to discern that good and perfect will. We thank you and we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's go. Let's. We've got. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. We have got work to do. Starting with ourselves. Um, but the world wants to. They need what you have. The world needs what you have. The world needs what you have. What is I? I I've got confusion. I've got. I've got a job. I've got. It's like, no, you have a savior, you have an anchor, you have a direction, you have a focus. The world needs what you have. And it's incumbent on us that we share that with others. Now keep it bottled up. Glad I'm on the ark. Sorry you're not on here. No, hop on board. Get on board. As a matter of fact, while we're building the ark, here's a hammer. Can you pick up that two by four over there? Let's help lift this up. We're, 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 
or our salvation is nearer than what we think it is. It's close. How close? Closer than it was yesterday. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, again, we thank you for this day. Thank you for watching over us and protecting us. Thank you for an incredible witness of your awesomeness with the wind and the rain. Father, we ask in advance that you continue to watch over and protect us. Father, the, the levees, the trees. Oh, Father, just continue to, to, to watch over and protect all of us. Thank you for this day. As we go down from this place, let us not be the same. Let us be changed. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Father, it's in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ, we say, let every heart say, greet somebody, greet somebody.